0: Before we get started, I want to remind you about our good friends over at the Macklemore. Again, my buddies and I are headed up there for our annual golf trip in a couple of days. I'm so excited to play the course and see the other wonderful amenities that they have up there. The Macklemore is a beautiful community resort and golf course, just 35 minutes outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee, up on Lookout Mountain. Folks, go online to themacklemore.com to see how spectacular the place is. Their new clubhouse and bar are open. The Krieg is a great place to have dinner and drinks with scenic views looking out from Lookout Mountain. The golf course is co-designed by our good friends Bill Bergen and Reese Jones. And our friend and PGA Tour caddy Kip Henley said outside of Pebble Beach, it's the most beautiful 18th hole he's ever seen. And Golf Digest agreed to, by the way, naming it the best finishing hole in America since 2000. See why they're all saying that by checking out the course and the resort online at themaclamore.com. And folks, this segment of the show is brought to you by TaylorMade and their TP5 and TP5X golf balls. High draw? Check. Low fade? Check. Bump and run? Out of the sand or flop shot? Guess what? Check, check, and check. No matter what shot you need to pull off, there's one ball that's better than them all, and that is the TP5 and TP5X from TaylorMade. With a newly redesigned dimple pattern that decreases drag and increases lift, it's the number one ball in golf no matter the shot. So whether you need to hit it high over the trees, under, or even through them, hit TP5 or TP5X, the one ball designed to handle it all. Check them out online by going to tailormadegolf.com for more information. All right, now next on the tee with me is 1989 Open champion Mark Calcavecchia. Let me remind you about Mark's background. He's from Laurel, Nebraska. His family moved down to West Palm Beach, Florida when he was 13. He won the Florida High School Golf Championship in 1977. Played his college golf at the University of Florida from 1978 to 1980. He was named All-SEC in 1979. That season, Mark won the Furman Invitational. He turned pro in 1981. Got his first win on tour at the 1986 Southwest Golf Classic. Mark has one of the lowest scoring rounds to par in PGA Tour history. He finished 28 under a four-round total of 256 at the 2001 Waste Management Open, which featured a second-round 60. At the 2009 Canadian Open, he set a record by making nine consecutive birdies during his second round. In all, Mark won 13 times out on tour, including the 1989 Open Championship at Royal Troon in a playoff over Greg Norman and Wayne Grady. He's won four times out on the Champions Tour. Over the course of his career, he has 193 top-10 finishes. Three hundred and fifty-one top twenty-fives. He's a great follow on Twitter. Oh, by the way, at Mark Kalk, and I'm thrilled to have him back with me tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Mark, thanks for coming back on the show.
1: Hey, Chris, thanks for having me, and thanks, uh, thanks for the rundown there. I didn't, I didn't know I had that many, uh, that many good accomplishments.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you certainly did, my friend.
1: Mark, I know it's been a, a
0: kind of a challenging last twelve months health wise for you, Update. Is, how you doing?
1: Yeah, it, it has been uh, kind of rugged. Uh really starting in September when I uh when I got sick with COVID and it was uh it was bad. I had a pretty bad case of it. And then uh, I got over that. Uh, I was pretty weak, had some back spasms, blah blah blah. Decided to uh finally had enough of my backache and uh I decided to have my L4, L5 fused in uh, early January. And uh, that's been a lot harder than I thought it would be to uh, get over that as well. So, uh, But I'm on the mend. I'm feeling much better. And actually, uh, I think I can see the light at the end of the tunnel and hopefully uh, get back to playing some golf uh, by August.
0: So do you think we're going to see you out on the Champions Tour perhaps late this year?
1: I, I sure hope so uh I, i'll tell you what i'm tired of watching watching golf on tv uh i'm tired of watching tv <laughs> period actually uh i ran out of netflix shows and you know it, uh, when you can't do much uh I, I take the dogs for a lot of walks and uh, uh and just hang out and uh my physical therapist is doing a great job with me uh so my my belly's actually getting stronger it doesn't look much smaller but uh my abs are getting stronger in my core. Uh, so, you know, we're trying to do everything we can to strengthen the back and, uh, and, you know, get back to uh, making some swings.
0: Mark, I want to get your thoughts on a couple of things that are topical on out on the PGA tour, starting with Bill's big win at the PGA championship. what
1: do you think about what you saw from him? Oh, I thought that was fantastic. Uh, you know, everybody kind of. You know, Phil's Phil. That's just the easiest way to put it. And to, to show you how cool it was, I mean, guys that you would normally think wouldn't hang around to congratulate him or even tweet something or do whatever, all, all just really gave him, uh, you know, 100% credit because uh, it was such a cool win. Uh, look, he's 50. Well, he's going to be 51 next month or in a few weeks. And uh, that's just an incredible – incredible accomplishment in my opinion and I, I know i was rooting for him and i think uh most everybody else was too watching on tv so it was uh he, you know he played great he really only hit one one super crooked one uh, uh on the weekend uh when he hooked that two wood or whatever it was into the water on 13 but uh man he, he played great and uh that it, it was cool to see
0: and Mark, as you sort of alluded to a moment ago with your, with your own routine, more focused on health nowadays and eating right and exercise. We obviously see Phil in, in, uh, much better condition, much better shape, I should say, uh, than we've seen him in years past. And, you know, when I think about guys being able to compete at, you know, 50 to your point, 51 almost now for Phil. I mean, I remember back when, when Mr. Palmer was talking about Arnold or about Jack Nicholas winning the 86 Masters and said, you know, hey, I don't see a reason why Jack couldn't win it at 46, and I really don't see why guys couldn't win it at 56. You just got to get it together one time. What, what are your thoughts? Now with the with the greater focus on, you know, eating right and taking care of your body, could this be a, a bigger trend as we start to see guys in the, you know, generation, you know, after Phil, the, you know, the Rory generation start to get up to that 50 age range? Could we see more guys in their 50s win majors on a more routine basis?
1: I actually think we could. Um you know what Phil did was certainly inspirational to to a lot of us. Just like what Bernhard Langer is doing at 63 is is pretty inspirational to us out on the Champions Tour. Uh but yeah, uh, and the other main thing is, you know, will when Rory turns 50 and uh you know all these guys that are in their early 30s now, you know, 20 years down the road, will they still have the motivation uh to to play the Champions Tour? Uh, because, you know, they've, they've, got more money than they know what to do with. And, you know, there's not really that much motivation, but you know, Phil's kept that up. Uh, you know, he's competed with the young guys, uh, and he, and he, you know, he, he looks as good as he's ever looked. I mean, he hasn't aged at all. He's hit it as far as he's ever hit it. As far, you know, pretty much what I can tell. So, uh, you know, what he's doing is it, it's really, uh, really cool to see and, and, and definitely gives guys in their, you know, mid to late forties. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of hope. There's no doubt.
0: Let's talk about um, what we saw this past weekend with John Rahm. The unfortunate situation with him testing positive and finding out I mean, right there next to the green on Saturday, which was which was horrible in and of itself. I felt so badly for him to to have to get that news right on the heels of knowing he's got a six stroke lead and and heading into the final round, um, not getting vaccinated, having that situation cost him nearly 1.7 million dollars. If you just want to talk from a dollars perspective, and then obviously being able to win uh, back-to-back Memorial. So, your thoughts on on what happened with John Rahm?
1: Yeah, I thought it was uh, it was it was a, sh- a shame. I mean, I'm sure everybody felt sorry for him, and, and me included. Uh, you know, the turmoil was over. He was going to win. He was playing so good. So not only from a, a monetary standpoint, but, you know, losing all that money, uh, that he had WD from, uh, you know, there's, there's a couple of different thoughts. Uh, you know, why hasn't he gotten vaccinated? Uh, and I, I did, I did see another tweet where I said there's going to be like a, a lineup of PGA tour players heading to the doctor on Monday. Uh, <laughs> you know, cause you don't want, you don't, you don't want that to happen to you. It, it's just, uh, it was it was really sad and i i felt terrible for him but uh in the end you know i mean it, you know whether you get vaccinated or not of course i've had both my shots I, i'd take another one tomorrow if there was a third vaccination it's just i think it's stupid not to uh, in my opinion uh, other people will disagree with that that's fine uh but yeah it was uh the whole the whole thing was a shame i i think they should have or could have handled it a little bit better. There's a few things they could have done. Maybe, you know, wh- why not let him play by himself, uh, behind the, the other two guys in front of him by himself in the last single match, right? Let him play. You know, his caddy is already right next to him anyway. So, and just make sure nobody gets anywhere near him and, uh, you know, let him win the tournament, give him the trophy, you know, from 15 feet away and say, yeah, thanks. See ya, Uh, congrats. And, and then and then let him do his uh quarantine or whatever he's gonna do. So yeah, it was it was it was a tough uh tough deal for him for sure.
0: Mark, I wanna get your thoughts and kinda just going back to Phil for a second because he, he posted a video on Twitter of what he drank out of the Wanamaker trophy. It was a four hundred and fifty dollar bottle of wine that a friend sent to him, a guy that owns the winery, sent it to him and uh Phil talked about what it was and then uh, I'm sure fifteen minutes later everyone went and bought- bought up the last fifteen cases of what that wine was, so uh good for Phil for you know doing his friend the salad but that that made me think right. about you and uh and the claret jug so uh, we know everybody likes to drink their beverage of choice out of the trophies like that so uh what did Mark Kalkovecchia have out of the claret jug? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we were drinking some uh uh Dom Perignon out of it, by the way. Uh, and not just the, uh, night we won, but, uh, the night I had to bring it back at St. Andrews the next year. Uh, and I got a little bit of grief for that because the, uh, invitation said 730 for eight. And I had no idea what that meant. So I just figured that means I'll show up at about five to eight. And, uh, of course <laughs> I got a lot of grief for that. And, uh, the, 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 A claret jug still has champagne dripping out of it. I I didn't rinse it out quite good (laughs) enough, but, uh, uh, yeah, we had a, we had a few tasty beverages out of that thing, but yeah, that wine Phil was drinking, I've never even heard of, but I'm sure it's good. It's 450 bucks a bottle, or at least it better be. Right.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) And Mark, speaking of lots of money, what are your thoughts on the tour's new $40 million incentive plan that's going to be distributed to the, you know 10 players who bring the most eyes and clicks to to the tour and not necessarily the top players on the course just who is generating eyes and clicks your thoughts on that
1: yeah i thought it was pretty ridiculous uh honestly to give away that kind of money for a basically a popularity contest uh you know great for the guys getting the money you know i i can't fault anybody for for Whatever they do to make a, a bunch of money, but it seems like, uh, there, there's several places that, that money, if you, if you want to drop 40 million, you could give a lot to the Corn Ferry tour, a lot to the LPGA tour and, uh, uh, even throw in some to, extra to the champions tour. I mean, most of our purses are like, you know, 1.6 to 1.8 million, which is great. I'm not complaining about that, but you know, it's always fun to play for, for more money and, uh, yeah, but you know, times are changing. I'll be 61 on Saturday and, uh, you know, my, my time's come and gone. And I'm sure, you know, when you, when you look where Jack Nicholas is on the career money list, you know, it's, it, I mean, people make more in two weeks now than he made in his whole career. So it, it's pretty, pretty scary when you look at it that way.
0: Mark, I want to get your memories. Of, uh, the Ryder Cup, some of the Ryder Cups you played in. I know you played in, in the 91 Ryder Cup at the Ocean Course at Kiowa back when it was a relatively new course. And as I was doing uh, some of the research for, for our time and then Chip X was a part of the show last week, I was reading a couple of articles about, uh, you guys may not have been thrilled about playing the event there back then. What'd you think about the course when you guys arrived and, and started? you know, practicing and playing around and seeing what the conditions were like.
1: I, I couldn't believe my eyeballs, quite honestly. Uh, I want to play a practice round there probably six weeks before the Ryder cup or just to check it out. And every road was a dirt road. There was just nothing but piles of sand everywhere. There was, there was basically no clubhouse. They just started building it. And I thought to myself, how in the world are we going to have a Ryder Cup here with, you know, 50,000 fans out here uh, walking around this place? I, I just, it, it blew my mind. Uh, I wasn't even sure where I was going. It was just a, like I said, a dirt road, a sand road through a bunch of mounds. Uh, you know, and then I played the course and it was, uh, it was pretty rugged. It was, it was definitely, uh, not as refined as it is now. Uh, Meaning I, th- I think it was even harder back then because, you know, if you missed a green in a certain area, like behind 16 green on Sunday, I had a beautiful little six iron in there and it went just over the green. I was only 20 feet from the hole, but I was in a, a fan footprint. And, you know, I, I mean, now I look, I, when I watched the, or the PGA a few weeks ago, you know, there's nothing but grass back there now. So, uh, you know, it, it's a beautiful place. Uh, and I, I really, I really did kind of enjoy the course. Uh, it was a good course for me cause, because it's difficult around the greens. And that's why I think it was a good course for Phil. Uh, first of all, there's no trees he could hit, you know, which is a bonus for him. <laughs> and, uh, and the fairways are, are, are pretty wide there, which is another bonus for him. And it's super difficult around the greens, which is another, uh, advantage for Phil. And, and I think that's kind of why I liked it as well because it's, uh, you know, if you miss a green, uh, side yourself, you've got a big hump to chip over or bump it into or, or whatever you want to do. But, uh, I, I thought it was a great PGA and I thought they set up the course perfectly. Chip
0: Beck talked about the bug issue that you guys dealt with yeah. there and in the, a very positive way that you know Chip does. But talk about what the bug situation was like.
1: Oh, my God, it was, uh, we were on the range. One morning, getting ready for a practice round. And, you know, Chip's the most positive guy of all time. Uh, And he he says, well, let me go back to maybe a few years before that. Uh, At Hilton Head, before they built a new tee way back there, there's a tree right in the middle of the fairway at at the corner of the dog leg. And Chip piped one right down the middle, and he was dead spymied right behind that tree. And he goes, you know what, Calc? That's a well placed tree. You know, <laughs> I said, what are you, are you crazy? Uh, so anyway, so we're on the range of Kiowa and we're getting eaten alive by no seams, uh, mosquitoes, uh, uh, flies, you name it. There's more bugs out there flying around that you could take a stick at. We're all spraying all this bug spray all over our bodies. And, uh, just says, you know what, boys, you gotta love these bugs. They don't have bugs like this over there in Europe. You know, you just, we all just looked at him like, okay, Tip. But that, that's Chip. He's, uh, he was so funny and, uh, the most positive guy probably that, that I've ever met, uh, in my, in my playing days.
0: And Mark, you were there on the 1989 Ryder Cup team as well. And and in both those Ryder Cup events, Sevy and Paul Azinger weren't exactly happy with one another, some gamesmanship going on there between them. And like I say, Chip talked a little bit about it last week, he talked about how Sevy was coughing or clearing his uh, throat at times and their back swings. Were you aware of what was going on and what did you guys think about what was happening?
1: Oh, well, yeah. I mean, Seve was Seve. I mean, he was as great as he was, uh, you know, he had a little bit of gamesmanship in him and, uh, and Paul Azinger is not going to take any of that, uh, you know, whether he's clearing his throat at the wrong time or my buddy Ken Green was playing with him at the Masters and uh Sevy was attempting to take a drop left at 10 from something. And Ken walked, he was in the right rough all the way across the fairway, down the hill. And Ken just said, no, <laughs> you're not getting a drop. So, Sevy asked for another opinion. And uh, anyway, he ended up not getting a drop. So, but I mean, that's, you know, Seve used his greatness as a player and personality to uh to try to get away with a few things at times and and he did that in the Ryder Cup a few times. Uh, which, you know, that that's that's what he did. But uh he was certainly a tough competitor. I know Ken and I lost to him and Jose uh in eighty nine at the Belfry in, in our best ball match, the first the first day in the afternoon. And uh Man, they got up and down from everywhere. Uh, you, just, when you think you're about to win a hole, uh, no, no, he's going to get it up and down and or make a pot to tie you. And, uh, that's just, that's just the way he was. He was, he was definitely a great competitor.
0: Mark, this year's Ryder Cup is going to be at Whistling Straits, which is a, a link style course. And I, and ever since, you know, they got it, that got announced, I was sort of scratching my head like, you would think that we would be picking golf courses that play to our advantage, right? The home course advantage kind of thing. Not giving a uh a European team anything that looks familiar to them or what they're used to playing on. Just does it make sense that we're that we're playing this thing at whistling straits?
1: Well, it, it it's a super cool place and I do like the course. Uh but yeah, it's it's a little bit of a strange uh a uh, strange course for us to be playing on, uh, I think. Uh, but you know what? Nowadays, I think the home course advantage thing. The Europeans did a perfection uh, two years ago in uh, in Paris at that course. I don't know what it was called, but the fairways were super narrow and the rough was a foot deep. And uh, because they know we had a lot of guys that hit it far, but not too straight on occasion, and uh, uh, they just wore us out on that course because they, they set the course up perfectly for them. I remember in 89 at the Belfry, I don't think they cut the greens on Saturday or Sunday. The greens were so slow on Sunday. And I, as I go back and I've watched the replays of Sunday at the Belfry in 89, nobody in our team could get the ball to the hole. And, uh, you know, they were just more used to slow greens and it was, it was a great job by Sam Torrance to set the course up that way. Now, at, at, at Whistling Straits, there's really nothing Steve Stricker can do to set up the course to our advantage. The, the course is what it is. You know, there I don't think he's going to make the rough very deep. Uh, you know, the greens will be just normal speed. So, uh, yeah, I don't think it was a great course selection, uh, for, to help out a U.S. team with, uh, the advantage that the captain has to set up the course the way he wants to. Mark, just a
0: couple more before I let you go. And speaking of home course advantage, you won the Phoenix Open three times and none of those victories were even close. I mean, you won by <laughs> seven, five and eight strokes. Talk about that event and why it brought out the best
1: in you. Yeah, I sure did. I, I just, uh, uh, I lived down in Iowa, 45 minutes from the course. Uh, I I played the course a decent amount, uh, you know, not during tournament week. And I just seemed to really uh, be able to read the greens well. And I've always said my my short game was so good during that time that I could be aggressive and shoot for pins that a lot of guys were afraid to shoot at. Because if I missed it on the short side, I was confident I could get it up and down. And I, I've just, I've always been kind of a home course player, you know, went in there three times and, and two Hondas when I stayed at home and, and almost a Doral when I stayed at home. Uh, I, there's something about home cooking and, and sleeping in your own bed that, 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 that suits me. So, uh, yeah, I love the, I love the mayhem of the tournament. You know, each year it's getting crazier and crazier and crazier. And, uh, even back in the years that I won, it was still pretty crazy. And, uh, Just a lot of fun. I just really enjoyed the atmosphere of the tournament.
0: Marcus, we saw at the PGA championship, players were able to use rangefinders during the tournament. Plus now with some of the advances in technology with these follow carts that you can put a little thing on your on your back belt clip and it'll you know, like the electric cart will follow you during the course of your round. If if I'm a caddy, am I getting a little nervous that Maybe technology could uh, run me out of a job three or four years down the road? Well,
1: that's, that's a good question. Uh, no, I, I think they're, I think caddies are safe. Uh, I don't see uh, cards following players around the course. Uh, you know, as far as the range finders, I, I don't have a problem with that because every single professional in the world, when he's out playing golf at his home course or any, wherever he's playing, has a range finder in his bag. Uh, you know, when I was a kid, we looked at the 150 bushes and, and and guessed where the pin was, and that's how we learned how to how to hit the ball the right distance. And I've had some friends say that even when I was young, that I had the best distance control they, they, they they've ever seen. So, you know, you kind of learn how to do that. But now, you know, there's there's no there's no guesswork. Everybody uses a range finder. Boom. Okay, 182 to the hole. You don't care what the front is because you're out playing a uh, uh by yourself or just practicing or whatever and you fire your iron shot right at the hole. Uh so you know, I thought at the PGA when they could use range finders, you should either do one or the other. Just forget range finders and just stick with the yardage books like normal. Or if you're gonna use a range finder then you can't use your yardage book. Uh because doing both I think actually slows down play even more. Uh so We'll see what happens with that, but uh, I think your artist books and, uh, uh, and and not using range finders are, are still going to be the way to go for uh, quite a while.
0: And Mark, like I mentioned, you're a wonderful follow on Twitter, as is your wife, Brenda. And uh, as I was combing down through your Twitter feed, you're a Flex Seal fan?
1: Oh, yeah, I love Flex Seal. That's just the best. Passes <laughs> up anything. We, we pass our roof with it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's super cool. The tape and the spray. Yeah, it's great stuff.
0: <laughs> Mark, let our listeners know how they can stay up to date with all the great things that you're doing and root hard for you as you make your way back to the Champions Tour, whether they're following you online or it's on social media.
1: Oh, thanks, Chris. Yeah. And, and uh, I'm, I'm Mark at Mark Kalk on Twitter, and uh, Brenda's at Brenda Kalk, and she's, she's even funnier than I am. So, uh actually, some of the stuff I come up with, I steal from her, so <laughs> <That's great. laughs> I got to give her credit for that.
0: Mark, you're so much fun. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. It's always a pleasure having you as part of the show. I hope you'll come back and join me again soon.
1: Absolutely, Chris. Anytime. You got it. Thanks for having me.
0: You bet. Take care, Mark. All the best to you, Brenda, and the rest of the family. Look forward to catching up soon.
1: Sounds good. Thanks.
0: See you, Mark. That's a great Mark Kalkavecchia at Mark Kalk, C-A-L-C on Twitter. Uh, he's a fantastic follow and, uh, and he's a great guy as you could hear through the course of this conversation and the, uh, the other two times that he has been a part of this sh- uh, show. So rooting really hard for Mark's back to heal up and he can get back to feeling normal again and, uh, probably way better than he has over the last several years with that back. I know I suffer from lower back pain. So. Uh, I'm sure not as bad as what Mark's was, but uh, so certainly understand the the uh, the struggle. So rooting hard for him to get healthy and get back out on the champion tour and getting to watch him. And then, like I say, following he and Brenda as uh, he gets along the way and uh, hopefully letting us all know how he's feeling and then posting some great stuff out there on Twitter.